welcome to Creative Piecemeal Podcast, a podcast for creatives. I'm your host, Tammy Takeishi. Join me for compelling conversations with artists, actors, authors, musicians, and other creatives about the impact of the creative and fine arts in their lives and our ever-changing world. Thank you for listening. Hello, and welcome to Creative Piecemeal Podcast. Today, I am with Sarah Lautman. She's an illustrator, cartoonist, and a teacher based out of Baltimore, Maryland. And her drawings have been published by the New York Times, Playboy, Mad Magazine, The Parish Review, Tablet, The All, Catapult, and other publications. She's been a regular contributor to The New Yorker, where her cartoons have appeared since 2016. She also has published books and mini comics, which you can find a whole listing on her website and forthcoming projects include a graphic novel called Jason. She also teaches comics at the Maryland Institute College of Art in Baltimore and has taught as well at the California College of Art and Design in San Francisco and Fairleigh Dickinson in her home state of New Jersey. So lots of really cool things she's done and also has on the horizon. So welcome to the show. Thank you. I would actually love to start with a different question than what I start with. And what I would love to know is how slash when did you figure out your unique style? Because I love it. It's like raw and it's like retro. It's got like a 70s vibe. And and the humor is so cerebral. Like you really you really have to to be like like you have to know things to get the humor. And I love that. I love that so much. Oh, thank you. That makes me feel really good. Um, I was actually just, uh, I'm like formatting pages for like a collection of, of comics. And I was like a minute ago, just sitting here looking at it and like thinking about how much annotating I need to do to like, just sort of assume that people need a leg up on references to like cultural references. But then the thing is you, you, you're really not allowed to do that. (laughs) Like with most kinds of art. But then I'm like, well, I'm making this book, so why not? I can just, I can help people a little bit. Oh, right, but there was a question. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I I, mean, I think, like, figuring out a style is just, like, a long, you know, it's a long process. Like, my style has changed a lot, or, I mean, pretty significantly since I, I started having a regular drawing practice. Sometimes... I'll see something about it that's like bothering me or I want to like deal with or change or I don't like find some kind of answer to. And then I'll be like, well, I want to try to draw eyes differently. So you can sort of do things on purpose, but I think in general, and certainly with like most people who are doing any kind of regular creative practice, you just keep doing stuff. And then all of a sudden one day you'll notice that like you draw cars like a certain weird way. And you're like, Oh wow. Look at me. Did you always want to be an illustrator and a, you know, a person in the creative field? I think so. Like, basically, when I was younger, like younger, meaning like, like a child, but then also a teenager and a young adult, uh, it was more like I, I would like to be a writer. You know, like I grew up in an, like tri-state area Jewish family. So like writer is like the best thing you can be, except for like, obviously, like a, like a doctor and stuff. 
but but just you know like the uh uh the the idea of like being like a creative intellectual is just like so like jewish northeast that's like the cult of that so pretty much yes also like i just really like to read a lot like when i was i mean now too but really like you know when you're a child and they're just like the most focused reading years of your life i feel like you never get that back again so i was pretty much like i want to be a writer and then as i like kept being older and stuff like that changed and i don't know i i, I don't think i ever had like such a, a clear idea of what my like career would be because that's not really what i'm inclined toward thinking about but eventually i realized that i was spending a, a lot of time drawing and that there might be a way for me to kind of kick that up into some sort of professional identity. Excellent. And it sounds like you've done some wonderful work so far. What Can you tell us a little bit more about your upcoming projects? Yes. Let's see. Well, my book, Jason, is done. It's on Itch.io, which is a website. And I was I was serializing it all summer. So you can get it in single issue installments. There's also a soundtrack that my friend uh, Maya McDonald, who's an incredible musician in Brooklyn, she wrote an original soundtrack to the book. So, oh, cool. So you can get that too. And um, actually, like this week, I have to put up a package that's like the entire book at once and and the mixtape because it's annoying for people have to have to download like 10 different files and then, you know, put them all together in, in Acrobat. But that's dedication there, you know, like that's how, you know, they're your true fans. Yeah, I guess so. But I want to, I don't want their lives to be annoying. <laughs> true, true. Understandable. <laughs> so what is something, what is something that people who are familiar with your work would not necessarily know or catch about your work? Oh my God. What a question. Uh, I really, that is such a riddle i i don't know i don't know i i mean i actually think probably people who are really into reading comics that i make probably have observations about them to tell me that i don't know because i'm not my own read i'm I, yeah i'm not my own reader so i would i i that's a crazy question yeah mm -hmm. they they definitely know things that i don't know or something more than me yeah it is always interesting you know the artist versus the person consuming the art having mm -hmm. such different you know looking at the same thing and having such different um viewpoints and you know someone will point out something in like a piece of music someone's written or a painting or or for your example your comics and and I bet you're probably thinking like did I do that on purpose you know yeah totally I don't know I think that a lot of times the impressions that you can get from consuming somebody else's art. I mean, I don't know. I was actually just reading a, a really good chapter in this book about uh, like the difference in between like making art and like looking at art and taking it in. And, you know, like, it seems like there's so many obvious differences, but one thing that this writer was talking about was that when you're like reading work or listening to music or watching a movie or whatever, just like the general act of like being an audience is you can like the range of what you can take in and experience is like 
like limitless. Like you can see and experience things that have nothing to do with your own life or your own environment and potential for new experience is very big. But then when you're making something, it's incredibly, it's an incredibly um, site-specific experience. And it's all about whatever your specific uh, experiences has been, have been wherever you are at the moment. I mean, obviously it's like this, like a dynamic thing and you learn about yourself and your work as you're making things, but uh, it's, it's just kind of like, it ends up being this like symbiotic relationship with somebody reading or being an audience where they like, they get something new and we're processing something old. So there's like, like talking to someone about an impression they got from something I made is like usually really instructive and can be very surprising. Do you ever change your creative process based on feedback that you get? Yeah, totally. I feel like it can be very specific. Like somebody could be like, you wrote this scene where people are um, dancing uh, so maybe you should take a dance class. I don't know. It's not, it's nothing like that specific thing never happened to me, but uh, I, I do feel like, I mean, and, and also in the sense, no one's ever said like, uh, you know, this like line work looks such and such a way. So like, maybe you should draw differently. I don't think that's ever really worked, but I don't know. I change my little habits not every I love habits and routines so I'm like pretty married to those but like I don't know my friends who are artists tell me about like new tools and like pens and stuff that they're used mm-hmm. that they like and feedback from somebody about like this scene made me feel such a way I don't know I, I think maybe it doesn't it's like part of part of a creative process or like part of a workflow is getting feedback so it's like in it it's inside of it yeah you you mentioned briefly about pens and I I'm always so curious about artists gear like do you have a favorite brand which you don't necessarily have to list but like or do you gravitate towards certain types of paper or certain pens or anything like that yes I'm actually I'm in a crisis now because I'm trying to think it's not a crisis actually it's like an opportunity to try new pens but uh, I've just been working digitally like so much in the past like three or four years like on an you know like on an ipad and i used to just use pens and paper and brushes and pencils all the time and so now i'm like just sort of scrambled because my habits from from drawing digitally are very different of course and my whole workflow is different like my old favorite tools which were dip pens and india ink and um multimedia drawing paper in a sketchbook those things are still good, but they kind of like, I need to like adapt that stuff because just everything about what I'm doing now, as opposed to what I was doing four years ago is a little different. Um, so I'm just like trying different things. I have uh, these cool pens called pilot parallel pens that my friend recommended to me. And they're, they're fountain pens. That means they have a nib like this, like sort of like a dip pen, but there's a, a reservoir inside the pen where the ink comes out. And they're good. They're not, I'm not like using them every day or anything, but they're the best fountain pen that I've tried recently. I just need to get some pens. My partner's birthday gift for me is just like getting a pen case lift and getting a bunch of new uh, uh, drawing tools. So yeah, this is like exactly the moment when I'm trying to figure out what my new favorite pen is going to be. 
I, I imagine that takes a little bit of time, you know, and maybe sketching out a few different things and seeing how that works with what you're, you know, what you're doing and things like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, just like get some pens and like blop around on them and try them until something feels nice. And then maybe I'll get like three of them. I mean, you know, it's just like time to like try stuff out and play around and like hopefully not spend too much money. Yeah. <laughs> well, it sounds like an exciting time, though, to be able to do yeah. that. Oh my god, yeah. Pen no, pen shopping is great. It's fun. <laughs> have you have you ever been in New York City to Kino Kunya? Oh no. Is it a pen store or like a stationery store? Well, it's like this Japanese bookstore, but they also have a lot of stationery. Oh man. I yeah. should go there. Where I is it? I wanna say it's on the avenues of Amer Avenue of Americas. Mm -hmm. Like so Six. They have multiple Kino Kunyas across the United States, um, but the one, of course, actually, there might be two in New York are, of course, um, you know, bigger, bigger than the other ones. It sounds like the kind of thing that I'll just say it and people will know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's it's really cool. It's really cool. So Sweet. So uh, you mentioned being a big reader, which is awesome. What is a book that you've read recently that challenged you? all of them because I'm in a, a reading block and I like have, I mean, this is like the most common situation right now. I feel like I just have like a million books that I am a quarter of or the halfway through and they're on my side table. So every book is challenging. Uh, but I also, it was just SPX. The, that's the small S, small press expo mm. in um, Bethesda, Maryland. And so it's just like the indie comics, like a big indie comics show. You go there and you see people you haven't seen for a long time and you get lots of uh, zines, like lots of new comics and like comic books and zines that people have made over the past year. That's a really nice reading experience is like getting uh, a bunch of zines and then reading them. Here, I can actually, I have my little pile over here. I can tell you what's in it. Yeah. I got two zines by uh, the artist Leo Fox. One is called The Body Unspooling. One is called um, Goodnight Starman. And they're both incredibly beautiful. Oh my gosh, that's gorgeous. And Leo is from the UK. And they're just like a really good writer, really good cartoonist. Um, I have uh, the latest in this comic series called Precious Rubbish by an artist named Kayla E. Who's really so good and like so weird. And she's like a really incredible like crisp designer yeah i really and like that style of the cover it's it's so good she's like this is auto bio and it's uh it, very very dark about um uh an intensely abusive childhood mm. so it's like she hands you this this gorgeous incredibly like uh designed thing and then just like shows you a picture of hell uh wow. and i think she's just like really great i got this cool an arabic anthology mm. uh put together by a group of um lebanese artists and it's called samandal and it just like has like tons of good stories in it my friend garrett young has a story in it uh he's my housemate too i just like got this book and i came back and i was like well look at this anthology and he was like oh there's my story and i was like great now i like it even better I got books by Glynis Fox, who's an amazing 
an amazing artist and cartoonist. This is all about Cyprus in Greece. And it's sort of like a sketchbook, like comic that she made in 2001. I got the new Paper Pencil Life, which is a Summer Pierre series. That's the name of the artist. Her name is Summer Pierre. She lives in upstate New York. Is that where Hudson is? And I don't know. Anyway, so that's my answer to your question. I'm sorry. It wasn't just like one uh, uh, book like a book review. That's fantastic, though. Do you find that when you go to those conventions or you meet up with friends or you go to bookstores, do you sort of come back with like your cup filled and you're just ready to like draw for 12 hours straight? Not always. But this time, I yeah, I feel really do feel like energized by that. Uh, it's, you know, like going to like a big like convention or a conference for your whatever your industry, or your discipline is like such a complicated experience. Like it is like energizing and exciting, but it's also very tiring and you're like kind of preparing for it for a long time. So it's this like, it's also kind of like going to the dentist. Um, but, I, but the short answer is, is this year. Yeah. I feel like really ready to, to, to do a bunch of new stuff, which is a good feeling to have in September. Yeah. If you've been feeling burned out, stressed, overwhelmed, or exhausted, the resources and courses at the Self-Care Institute are here to support you. The Self-Care Institute was founded by Dr. Ami Kunimura and provides support for individuals and organizations with burnout prevention, burnout recovery, and stress management. I've personally taken a few of these courses and found them to be super helpful, both professionally and personally. The care you give yourself matters just as much as the care you give to others. But if self-care is difficult for you, you're not alone. And the Self-Care Institute is here to support your well-being, resilience, and sense of fulfillment at work and at home. For more information, visit selfcareinstitute.com or go to the show notes and click on the link. That's awesome. What is one of your favorite parts of the creative process? And then conversely, what is one of your least favorite parts? Uh, I don't know. Um, I just like when things are going well. <laughs> yeah, I could feel that. It's nice when you have a good idea and you get the idea. And then you, you like put it in a notes app and you're like, oh, hell yeah. And then it's fun when you're like drawing it and planning it out and like feeling flow and you're like, wow, this is great. And then when you're just like in really in the making, like it's obviously it's like so nice to just be like drawing and feeling again flow, which to me is just like the feeling that I, I just am chasing. Like that's the whole point of this is to feel like lost in something. So yeah, of course, that's my favorite part. Yeah. Yeah, the flow is nice, isn't it? Oh, that's the shit. Yeah, it is. It's, it's like being plugged shit. into something. Yeah, it's like like escaping your body. It's fantastic. Doesn't always happen, but it's nice when it does, right? Yeah. I mean, I feel like if it's not happening, you could always do something else. Like, you can feel flow, like, running around or exercising or, like, watching a movie or whatever, or, like, hanging out with friends. I mean, it's different. Like, yeah. doing work is a special flow, but, like, there's flow. There's other kinds of flow. You've had a lot of great accomplishments so far in your career, but what is one of your proudest moments uh, to date? So hard to like isolate moments of pride because like 
usually you're just worrying about stuff. I don't know. I, I feel like I haven't had an experience recently where I was like, oh, I'm the greatest. I mean, I think there's many, many small moments of pride, like when I do something good or I figure something out. I mean, I feel like in the sense of like getting stuff, like getting a job that you really want or like getting some kind of honor that is like important in a like a career way or like a like a good review. That's that I don't know. Like that obviously that rocks like that stuff is like it's awesome to get stuff. But it's so like the flip side of doing well, like in like the American art ecosystem is not doing well. And so like the like the particular joy of like like winning or whatever, you know, winning like in a in in a in a money way or in like I mean the best like thing to get, of course, is the respect of your peers and like some kind of economic sustainability, obviously. But I don't know. Any, anyway, now I'm really rambling because it is complicated to be an independent artist in the United States. So all of that is very fraught. Uh, mm. But I, but basically, I feel proud when I do something that I think is good or people I respect think is good, which you know can happen like often. Which is, I'm like really lucky to be able to just like make the stuff I like and know the artists that I know in my life. That's excellent, and I think it's great what you were saying, you know, because it is difficult to be in any type of creative art in America, especially. Mm -hmm. And I think people going into the creative arts, maybe they don't, they don't always realize like, it's a lot harder than people make it look. And there's so many misconceptions about art, about music, about theater. What do you think is one of the biggest misconceptions that is in the art world? Mm, I don't know. It depends who's, who's misconception, like a do you mean like a student or um, like uh, someone who would be like a reader or like like sort of outside of that world? Right. Yeah. Like an outsider's misconception. I guess it would depend. Are we talking about like fine art or like publishing? Oh, I love that you're <laughs> narrowing it down. Um, I, I would just say it specifically in like what you do with with illustrating and comics and things like that. I don't know if there's a misconception that it's like easy or whatever. I feel like. And maybe I'm just like talking to the wrong, like, I, I feel like people understand that it's like pretty hard to keep it up. I mean, it's basically impossible unless like you have a like class privilege or like someone uh, subsidizing like your education. Like I don't have any uh, student loans. Like I am, I mean, I'm not debt free anymore because me and my partner just bought a house. But like, I mean, if I had to like roll out of like undergrad or grad paying student loans, and living in New York without my family having paid for my degrees, I there's no way mm-hmm. like I would be able to like put this kind of time into uh, like making this work and promoting this work, putting together this different kind of business plans and like hustling for for jobs. And you know, at at different times, like I've struggled more and I've struggled less. But like in general, the the bar you have to clear of being self-supporting in order to afford the time to make this work and do all the other little jobs of running a small business. You just, it's so, I mean, so obviously discriminatory uh, because mm-hmm. we're talking about institutions here, but but I no, I, I don't think that people think that it's easy, but I do think that everybody should be more open about their uh, privileges. 
Yeah. And I think that's such a great point because I mean, even from like, I'm, I'm a classically trained musician, even from that aspect, in order to make a living doing that, you know, instruments at the professional level are, you know, cost as much of a, as a car, like a brand new car yeah. um, at minimum. And you really have to be like, I have, I have friends who are very privileged to be able to do what they do because of their family, you know, being successful. And they would not have the level of instrument or even sometimes the networking opportunities if if it weren't for their weren't for their upbringing. And I mean, I would I would love for there to be more more opportunities and diversity in across the arts. Yeah. Or just I mean, God, it's just so like we know that it's different in other countries, but like every time I I'm just like talking to a person who is living an artist who lives in another country, I'm just like man uh like I was on the phone yesterday with my good friend who lives in Berlin and she's at a wonderful like post-grad program in in Frankfurt now like it's like a really famous art school like the Frankfurt School of like art I guess University of Frankfurt anyway so she's just in this program and it's free the government pays for it the government pays all the professors and instructors like a fair wage and it's not and you know that affects like the culture of like how art is treated and consumed and like how artists think about their own work and how they treat each other. Mm -hmm. It's just like, it is, it's so much different here and so much worse. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I had a woman on my podcast a few months back and she grew up in, I want to say Serbia and she's a pianist. And she said how lessons were free or discounted really good lessons on piano, you know, like top teachers and that it was, it was just something that happened in her country and in the culture there that, you know, if you wanted lessons, you go and you, it doesn't cost much, if at all, for however mm -hmm. many years, you know, as long as you practice and, you know, things like that. And, mm -hmm. and I just was astounded and, and I'm delighted to hear that that happens, but it'd be nice if it happened everywhere, you know? Yeah. It's like the, like, a free arts education is so crazy to th for us to think about because it's like even like a good free public education through college is like in the U.S. this like radical idea but like to even just be like learning an instrument could be something that is accessible to everyone it's so it's just so fucked up that that seems like so crazy yeah yeah and because of that, you know, she's she's a professional pianist. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And it just makes me wonder, you know, like how many how many people in the world would delve into the arts and maybe make a career out of it versus being like something very stable if, if they were given the opportunity? Yeah. And like then we'd have stories and uh, like compositions by people who aren't just from wealthy families. Mm -hmm. What what instrument do you play? Assuming it's an instrument. Yeah, I well, I play violin and piano growing up. Then I picked up cello, and then of course for music therapy, ukulele and guitar. So that's mm -hmm. five or six or ten million of them. So, <laughs> I mean, I guess you're a, like a full time music therapist, so you're probably doing like clinical work and stuff. But are mm -hmm. you playing? Like, were you playing in like orchestras and stuff? Um, only in college and grad school. I, I don't have time for that right now. I miss it though. One question I was really curious about is if you had to have a title 
for your life, what would that, like if your life was a book, what would the title be? Well, I don't know. I was just trying to figure out a title for this, uh, this new collection and it's titling is like fun. I like to uh, pretty much what I do is just go through all the comics I'm putting in the book and like find some language I like and use that for the title. So I don't know. God, that's a, that's the too hard question. That's crazy. I, I don't know. I just call it like Sarah, the, the title. <laughs> Self-titled. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like the most basic thing you can imagine. Not that Sarah is, uh, I mean, probably somebody else would take that first. One final question. If you could do any other creative art besides what you currently do, what would you like to try? Oh, my. Oh uh <laughs> let's see well i've been doing a lot of sewing so that's Ooh. cool but that like is something i'm doing uh i don't, like something that like you have to like really like put in a lot of time it wouldn't just be accessible now i guess like it would have to be something that where i'd have to push everything else in my life off the table to do so like really wouldn't be feasible um maybe i'd learn to like fly an airplane and then like do some kind of skywriting project but i don't know anyway this i'm terrible at this question so um i guess i'll just say like soft sculpture oh there you go all of those sound really intriguing though excellent any last words for our uh, listeners before we go have a good day (laughs) (laughs) excellent well thank you so much for being on the podcast and listeners please check the show notes for sarah's direct website and You know, if you happen to read The New Yorker or any of the other magazines, always keep on a lookout for her wonderful and brilliant comics. As always, thanks for listening. Thank you, Tammy. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Like the show? Have a question? Stop by the Facebook and Instagram pages. Links are in the show notes or search for Creative Piecemeal Podcast on social media and click follow for all the latest.